Jimbo said yesterday that um, at some point while you're in hospital, that he was going to beat your butt. That wasn't the word that he used, but did you have any response for that? In golf? <laughs> I think he, I think he meant on the football field. <laughs> well, I'm sure there'll come a day, you know. Let's go right here in the middle of the damn field. Let's bring it down, Tigers on three. Hell yeah! Because this is our house from now on. Yes, sir. Tigers on three. One, two, three. Tigers. But I'm going to tell you this. We ain't done yet. i got to ask you about the message on your shirt. Uh, my favorite holiday of the year, I guess. And, you know, so... Just, um, someone gave me a shirt and Merry Christmas, they spelled it wrong. So, you know, it was free. Coach, it's a great day for you, huh? That's a, yeah, it's better than average, I'll tell you that. <laughs> that, that <laughs> we played LSU because, you know, New England, Green Bay, and the Chiefs uh, had somebody scheduled. You know what we're going to do, though? We've got to quickly call the Hogs for the race. <laughs> the fact you're dressed as Darth Vader, do you feel like you were somewhat of a villain in this fight? I mean, you charged out on the field pretty hard. I was trying to get our players off the field, you know, because I know we have a big game next week. All I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Oh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, sounds like you're in a cave, brother. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> sounds like I'm in the shitter, Mike. But... <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but yep. <laughs> no, uh, I just got moved into the podcast studio here. Uh, still got some sound stuff I got to work out. So it's going to sound a little little echoey here, but uh, just hang in there. I've got, I mean, this is one step closer to YouTube, baby. Absolutely. And that's what we're all waiting for. So, hey, I screwed up uh, the video edit yesterday. I'm sure everybody noticed. So uh, <laughs> lesson for anybody out there with a the camera, make sure autofocus is uh when that's turned on make sure it's focused on the right right part of the, the what it's supposed to be i had it was uh, focused on one of the damn helmets on the on the table i have no idea why but uh yeah so like i said we're still in uh, training camp mode over here we, we hope to be in 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 shape ready for the season by the time it gets here you know what yeah well after about 10 beers that's what it looks like to me mike <laughs> Well, hey, buddy, uh, we got a great show here. Want to finish the week strong. And, uh, you know, Coach O got a question here. We got to some of his other comments here, but this is kind of how I wanted to open the show. Uh, he was asked about uh, the week one game against UCLA. So let's cut to that real quick, and that will lead into our show topic here. Yeah, I've got two. Uh, Ed Dane was wanted me to ask you. The Texas game and the Miami game were so important to getting off to a good point. How important does that make the UCLA game? You know, I, we look at, I look at it the same way. I haven't talked to the team about it. it was, it's on the road. Uh, unknown team. You know, we're an unknown team. We, we know what we have. But we've got to go out and prove it. We've got to be hungry. And, uh, you know, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be at their house. Uh, they have some great athletes on their football team. 
It's the first time we've gone out to Los Angeles with our football team, so it's going to have to be a business trip. Uh, there's going to be some some obstacles that we have to overcome during the game. Obviously, it's our first game together. They have played the game. Uh, it's the first time we play with our quarterback. We have to take care of the football, but I think we'll be ready. Our guys are going to be fired up, ready to go. All right, Shane. So I really wanted to play that clip because it gave me this uh, inspiration for this idea, but <laughs> I have uh, went down the entire SEC list of all 14 teams, and I'm ready to name the most important game on the schedule the first month of the season. How's that sound? Oh, man, this is what I signed up for, Mike. Let's roll with it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so no doubt, you know, we got to go with what Coach O said right there. I think he's absolutely right. Week one on the road at UCLA. And I I know at the end of the month they play Mississippi State. Of course, that'll be far more important when you're talking impact on the SEC schedule. But, you know, just given the the way last season went for LSU, I know it finished on a strong note, but – Mm-hmm. that's got to carry over to the season opener. And, you know, I don't yeah. want to compare this. It's it's not exactly like uh, Kevin Sumlin at, at the end of his tenure there at A&M, but, of course, they went on the road to UCLA, and I believe it was like the biggest comeback ever. The Bruins won in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter, and it was just, you know, that was the end. Uh-huh. They didn't fire Ke- Kevin Sumlin that weekend, but they might as well have because I believe they fired him about a month too later. So, I'm uh, not saying that Coach O is going to lose his job if he loses his game, but there's not really anyone on the hot seat, if you ask me, in the SEC. But if Coach O were to find a way for LSU to lose this opener, I think uh, you know he's the prime candidate to to be on that hot seat in the SEC, don't you think? Yeah, and I think what you I think what you said earlier hit the nail on the head. It's just a team that last year started out so bad. And, you know, once you go into a next season, it's like, does it carry over? Because if it carries over a slow start, you just, it's understandable when you have COVID and it's all Mm -hmm. SEC scheduling, but you know, this is a game you're supposed to win. And it's a game that you're not supposed to have any problems with. So the fact that you go out and you do, then yeah, there's going to be a lot of people and myself included, going to be talking about Coach O potentially on a hot seat. And I know that's crazy coming off, what, two years ago, a national championship? But that's just – that's the expectations in Baton Rouge right now. Yeah, the uh, Coach O haters are already out there comparing them to Gene Chizik. So we've <laughs> got to squash that immediately week one against UCLA. Now, Alabama, their biggest game of the, the opening month, in my opinion. We're all excited about the opener there in Miami, but – we also know the Crimson Tide are going to beat the hell out of the Hurricanes. So, for me, it's week three on the road against the Florida Gators. Uh, you know, I think Dan Mullen's squad is the ultimate wild card this year in the SEC. So, thoughts on that. Alabama's biggest game there. And I, I certainly think it's Florida's biggest game as well, uh, hosting Alabama. That's an opportunity to, you know, everybody's picking Georgia in the East. Uh, this, if somehow Florida finds a way to pull off the miracle upset here at home in the swamp, yeah. you know, that narrative changes in a hurry. So I, I think for both these teams, that's an easy answer. Alabama at Florida week three. What are your thoughts on that? So you're picking both Alabama, both Florida on this one right here. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because uh, it's also the first road game for Bryce Young. So we got to see what yeah. this guy can do in a, in a hostile environment. Man, I know it's going to sound like a lot of work, Mike, but not a lot of people got their uh, schedules pulled up. Is there any way 
you could tell me because a lot of people are first thing are saying, what about the Iron Bowl? But this is the we're talking about the month of September here. Right. So we're talking three, four games. So can you read the other ones that are on Alabama's list here? Yeah, absolutely. And the best place to get your schedule, if you don't uh, have one there, that secpodcast.com. Head on over. We got every team schedule. We got the entire SEC schedule all in one convenient location. But, uh, of course, Alabama opens the season in Atlanta against Mm -hmm. Miami on a neutral field. And then week two, Mercer, uh (laughs) uh-oh. Week three is the Florida game at Florida, of course. And then uh, week four, they host Southern Miss. So, again, you're kind of going with Miami or Florida. And if you're telling me – you picking Miami or Florida on a neutral field. I'll take Florida by about three touchdowns. And and the fact that this game is in the swamp makes it all what, the more difficult for the Crimson Tide, I think. And, and what else does Florida have? Uh, Florida, so they open the season, of course, against uh, FAU at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, week two, Florida has – this is interesting. They go on the road, South Florida. It's not often South Florida gets to host an SEC team. Mm-hmm. And then week four, uh-oh, Shane, Tennessee <laughs> in the swamp. Uh, so, yeah, I think for Florida, it's it's no question it's got to be Alabama. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing because Florida Gators want to act like they're there, man. Right. And act like you're there. you got to compete against teams like Alabama. So this is huge for both both programs. All right, Arkansas, Shane, week two. I think this is a layup. I don't know what you think, but uh, night game already announced ESPN national television, the Texas Longhorns rolling into Fayetteville. Mm -hmm. So much attention on this game. And that was before it was announced Texas was heading to the SEC. But in so many ways, this is a statement game for Sam Pittman and his program. Not saying that, you know, if some – I would consider it an upset if Texas won that game, but – uh, you know, according to the betting line, and if you talk to the Longhorns, they think this is going to be an easy W. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's not going to determine, you know, the, the fate of Sam Pittman's program here, but I think it's huge for the season. And the only – I think you can make the case, uh, the the final game there for Arkansas to, to start the month is Texas A&M, and I know that's a huge game. That's been a, a one in their, a thorn in their side. But I really – I guess the way I look at it is – if you lose to Texas, I don't think you're beating Texas A and M. I I just don't. Yeah. I don't think you're of that caliber. But if you find a way to to win at home against Texas, which I think they will, that gives you a ton of momentum heading into that A and M game to where maybe you can pull the upset in that one. Right. Yeah. And I and obviously I think I may have went with the Aggies here a couple of years ago, but with and you think with Texas coming into town, they ain't going to make a big deal of this. Yeah. This is going to be a massive game. Don't be surprised if game day's not there. Uh, what's Arkansas leading up to this? What's their schedule? So week one, they've got a cupcake. They've got Rice at home. Yeah. And then it's the Texas game. Oh, my God. So they're going to be undefeated. I mean, Yeah, don't be surprised if game day's not there making a big deal of this because this is a glimpse of the future. So, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot riding on it. Yes, this is this is a big one. Marquee game. Now, Auburn, for me, it's got to be week three on the road at Penn State. Everybody and their mother outside of Auburn fans are going to be picking Penn State to win this game. And, you know, even myself included, I've been down on Auburn all offseason. That changes in a heartbeat. If you go on the road, you beat old James Franklin <laughs> on the road. They've already announced it's a whiteout game, so they're getting excited for this. It's 
very rare that a Big Ten team gets to host an SEC team. So uh, I don't think there's any question here. It's got to be Penn State week three on the road for Auburn. So Auburn, they open against uh, Arkansas View or so. It's not even, it's not Arkansas. It's it's kind of weird how on our site it's laid, laid out. Uh, week two is Alcorn State. Mm-hmm. And then Penn State. And then uh, final week, Georgia State. So, I mean. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> not, not even close. All right. Yeah. Penn State, definitely. All right. How about this? Ole Miss. This was a tr- tricky one for me. Uh, you know, I, we all anticipate them to smoke Louisville in the opener there in Atlanta. Uh, but the rest of the, the month here, they don't have much. Austin P is their week two game. <laughs> and then they have uh, Tulane week three. And then uh, they get a bye week the final month. So it, it's got to be Louisville here, don't you think? Absolutely. But but did you see the Tulane uh, grocery store? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the way's coming, baby. So I, uh, no, definitely going to be Louisville on this one. All right, how about uh, Mississippi State? This was – you want to talk about uh, a tricky schedule coming out the gate. Mississippi State may have uh, – the toughest schedule in the SEC, if you just want to talk about no cupcakes here. They open the season against Louisiana Tech, which is, you know, a decent team. They're, they'll beat the hell out of them, but still, that's a that's a decent game. Uh, second week of the season, NC State. And then third week at Memphis. So these are all interesting games. But for me, it's got to be the one that closes out the month. LSU, you're getting them at home. You beat mm-hmm. them last year. Everybody, again, it doesn't matter what happened last year. Everybody's going to be picking LSU to win this game. Here's your mm-hmm. opportunity to to build some momentum going into the SEC stretch. And uh, so I got to go LSU is the biggest game here for Mississippi State. Yeah, I, I think so too. But uh, that, that Memphis game's a little – Yeah, I think it's a little bit – I don't know, it hits harder for yeah. some of those folks that live there because right. there's a – you know – there's a three-way tie between Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Memphis. It, it seems like it's these guys are trying to decide which university to go to, and uh, <laughs> this is how you separate is just smoking them. So that's another one that I've got my eyebrows raised, but uh, I think you're right. Just kind of a revenge game. We just talked about LSU. That's going to be a big game. Mm-hmm. Now, Texas A&M, I think this was an easy one. They opened the season here against Kent State. Come on, get out of here. Uh, they played Colorado, a little bit tricky. Week two, mm-hmm. that's in Denver uh, on a neutral – well, they're going to call it a neutral field, but you got to imagine it's probably more Colorado people. Uh, New Mexico, week three. And then so their big game the first month, and this is why a lot of people like the Aggies because, you know, they're going to start 3-0 and basically guaranteed – to close out the the month, they got Arkansas and Jerry World. So for me, it's got to be Arkansas. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I, obviously, I do like the first game um, because they got some. I, I think they're going to be on a run, man. Mm-hmm. I think this is a, a national championship run if if the stars align and that that starts week one and just kind of setting that tempo. But I'm with you closing out the month. Uh, it's going to be your toughest opponent. Now we already hit on Florida that uh, hosting Alabama week three, so. Again, another easy one, Georgia. I don't really care who's on the schedule, Shane. The most important <laughs> game is that opener against Clemson uh-huh. in Charlotte because we're going to find out a lot about both programs here facing a, a team that's ranked currently, at, I believe, number two in the nation, Georgia versus Clemson. That's got to be the answer, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, this is a big deal, Mike. Uh, this is the this is the year for the Georgia Bulldogs, apparently. 
supposedly. That's the rumor. And it starts <laughs> by beating Clemson and shutting them up so we don't have to hear them, you know, complain about not being in a college football playoff at the end of the year. This one's on you, Bulldogs. Now, th- these next two, I'm just grouping them together, Shane, because I think you got to pick each other here. Kentucky, Missouri, biggest mm-hmm. game, month, of, the first month of the season is the same answer. It's week two when Missouri comes to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the only uh, SEC game, I believe, on the docket that weekend in the SEC. Uh, Kentucky opens with ULM. Missouri opens with Central Michigan. And then the following week, they both uh, – Kentucky's got Chattanooga. <laughs> Missouri's got <laughs> – SEMO, Southeast Missouri, I mean, give me a break here. The, these seasons, I don't want to say they're completely defined by uh, this week two game, but, man, that was uh, that was like a crossroads game last year where Kentucky dropped it, and yeah. all offseason, everybody I talked to associated with Kentucky, they say that was the most devastating uh, loss of the season. That's kind of where the season just kind of went downhill. And, you know, Mark Stoops and all the momentum they have at Kentucky, mm-hmm. they fall to Missouri for the second year in a row. I think you have to jump Missouri as a, as a better program in Kentucky. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the case as I'm saying this, but how can you argue it if Missouri in their first two years with the, you know, they're under Connor Basilak and Eli Drinkwitz, if they go two and zero against Mark Stoops, yeah, I don't see how you can argue it any other way. Uh, despite all the progress Kentucky has made in in the recent season, so this game is absolutely huge. Hosting Missouri for for Kentucky Week Two, don't you think? Yeah, man. I mean, it just it sets the tone uh, in the exactly. East because I, I just we know it's a Florida Georgia game, but there's always that third team that gives somebody a, a fit in the East, and who's it going to be? It's going to be one of these two programs, Mike. Mm-hmm. Now here was a tricky one, Shane. South Carolina. A lot of different answers. Uh, obviously, the Eastern Illinois week one is, you know, normally, uh, I mean, it is a joke. There's a cupcake. They're going to beat the hell out of them. But it's still an important game because it's because we don't know what we're getting from the Gamecocks. Right. And we don't know what we're getting from Shane Beamer. But I couldn't, in good conscience, pick that game. Uh, week three, you're playing Georgia. That's an, You know, that, that has historically been a really good series. But, you know, everybody's picking Georgia to win the East. Hardly any, anyone is picking South Carolina to do anything but finish fifth or sixth in the East, so couldn't pick that game either. Uh, week four is is epic for South Carolina. They host Kentucky. Could easily make the case for that one. But yeah. I think the answer is week two, Shane, which they South Carolina goes on the road to East Carolina. Mm-hmm. And before you say, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I mean, this is a game where, again, we anticipate South Carolina is going to beat the hell out of Eastern Carolina, and they they should, and they probably will. But mm-hmm. th- these are the games that trip you up, and maybe you're—I don't want to say ill-prepared because we know they'll come prepared. But uh, you yeah. know, who knows? I mean, this is the type of game where, you know, if you drop it, all that momentum you built all off-season comes to to a screeching halt. You got to go on the road. It's it's such a weird game. It's almost like a trap game there. You got to take care of business against East Carolina and keep this uh, momentum going. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I haven't worried about the Pirates since the 1700s. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so you go with the Kentucky game? Yeah, I think because that's always such a good game. Um, yeah. That one, I. But I'm going to tell you, Mike. Even less opponent, but week one, you know, no quarterback. What's right. the South Carolina offense? What's the defense going to look like? What's, I mean, there's just so many question marks. Shane, Shane Beamer's first. I just, I want to do week one just to see what the program looks like. So if I'm going out of all four of them, obviously Georgia's going to be a huge game. But let's be real, Mike. It's week one for me. I want to see what what kind of product we actually have with these Gamecocks. I got you. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't even argue with that. So Tennessee, Shane, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Of course, they open against Bowling Green. That'll, you know, every, all indications are Bowling Green's a complete joke, so I couldn't go with that one. Yeah. They, they do play Florida week four, and we know historically that's been such a great game. But given the fact that the Gators own the Vols, I couldn't pick that one. I think the biggest game for Tennessee, week two, you're hosting Pitt. and. Yeah. I don't know. To me, Shane, this just feels like, you know, every three, four years we got a new Tennessee coach, and it seems like there's a game early in their career that, you know, it's unfair to say defines it, but you either get the fan base rallied behind you or you, or they just completely are like, what the hell, this guy can't coach. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm already seeing it right here. Tennessee fans got no respect for Pitt, nor should they. Uh, I don't even know what league they're in anymore. Are they in the ACC? Are they in the Big East? I don't know, but who uh -huh. cares? You cannot let a team like that come into Neyland Stadium and walk out with a W. If uh, Josh Heupel is as good a coach as they say he is, he'll find a way to coach up the Vols to get this win. I think week two is just huge for the Vols. I think it's huge because it's going to be a game that they have to have to make a bowl, man. I just right. I think Tennessee's going to be a bubble team. I expect good things from them, but – you can't, this isn't a program you can go ahead and circle wins and losses and you know anticipate the game against the Gators. You know this is one you got to go week to week. I would almost circle Bowling Green to see what they're going to do. But I'm with you. The the Johnny Majors Bowl. I think this thing's been mm -hmm. done. Uh, Pitt Pitt is a big one. We've got to have that game if we're going to play. Uh, we're going to play in the off season. Now, uh, last but not least, here Vanderbilt. This was a tricky one for me. Could go many different ways. They open the season at home against ETSU. Should beat the hell out of them. Uh, week three, they host Stanford. Could maybe go with that one. And then uh, week four, they host Georgia. So all these games, you know, they, they got their story points. But for me, it's got to be week two. They go on the road to Colorado State. And I know Colorado State is, you know, we don't really respect them on this show, but that's yeah. why Vanderbilt's got to go out there and take care of business, set the tone, say, you know, I think under Derek Mason, this is a game you lose. And yeah. this is, you got to set the tone. I don't care who's on your roster saying this is a new Vanderbilt. Uh, we're not going to be the same old, you know, sad sacks that lose to freaking Colorado State. I think uh, week two, I think that game is, is huge for the Commodores. What do you think? What was week one? Uh, week one, they got ETSU at home. Man, I, I I could argue that one, Mike. I, I just think this is another program. Like you said, they're creating a new story. Right. This is a new chapter for the Vanderbilt Commodores, and uh, I think I'm going to go week one. I, I know ETSU is a lesser lesser uh, you know program, and I don't want to I don't want to say that's my neighbors over here. You know, I'm not <laughs> not bashing them or anything like that. But this is a team that if you are in the SEC, should not be competition. So mm -hmm. I think Vanderbilt needs to come out uh, and, and just 
I don't know, set the set their tone, set the pace. Or, or what what's Vanderbilt going to look like in the future? So give me week one ETSU. Well, Shane, just sitting here spilling about these games gets me fired up, gets the blood going here, and just just gives you an indication of what we've got uh, the next month or so coming our way. You know what? That's right, man. We're not talking about four or five months from now. We're talking about here in a couple of weeks, these boys are going to face off. So I love it. Well, speaking of that, brother, you ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around the league. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys! Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, so right before we hopped on the line here, Shane, uh, we'll start here on Rocky Top. Brian Maurer officially in the transfer portal, no surprise. And, you know, this has been about a week since he stopped practicing with Tennessee and uh, you know, I wish the, wish the kid will. I don't want to, you know, given his history, I don't want to sit here and bash him. But I think him leaving Tennessee probably, I shouldn't say does more more good than bad but because uh, you always want quarterback depth. But uh, it's just a distraction that's kind of gone. And, and now we've got, uh, we've got the three quarterbacks we can push forward with, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, and, and like you said, I don't want to bash either, but he's, he's a very social kid. And uh, every move that he's made, he's been able to – put on Instagram. So, uh, mm-hmm. I'm just, yeah, we don't, you don't need that with, with a new, like, uh, it's just a new page. We got three quarterbacks back there competing. Now, uh, the quarterback room, you'd like to have at least four, but you know, it sounds like it's pretty healthy competition back there. Yeah. And when you got a new coach, almost more important than winning on the field, I almost said more important, but it's, it's not more important than winning. But I think the second most important thing with a new staff is just getting everybody pulling in the same direction. And yeah. any single, it could just be one player because that it, that will transfer to other players if they start seeing mm-hmm. it. If everybody's not built, it, bought in, if everybody's not going with what the new coach is saying, you're just setting yourself up for disaster. So yeah. uh, I think at the end of the day, I think uh, this potentially is good news for the Vols. <laughs> and uh, last thing, I just thought this was great, Shane. Their uh, transfer linebacker. Jawan Mitchell, of course, from Texas. He was their leading tackler down there with the Longhorns. Mm-hmm. He was asked about coming to the SEC, or, or excuse me, about Texas coming. And I just thought this was the greatest comment we've got here to share today. Jawan, why did you pick Tennessee, and how has the transition been so far here at Well, I really picked Tennessee because of the coaching staff, you know, the conference. A lot went into it, but the transition was smooth. I love like the versatility of like how offenses are ran. I've been watching some film. You know, I pretty much look at the SEC like the Big 12 and Big 10 combined. So. What's it like now with the thought of Texas possibly joining the league that you just came to? No, I'm proud of them. They should, like, they, they want to come over here just like I do. So, it's a lot of talent at Texas. And like, one of the reasons I'm showing it as well that we could ball as well. So, them coming over, 
it'll definitely help them a lot to get drafted where they need to and just play on a national level. All right, Shane, so how about it? I mean, even even he knows, man. I mean, he came to Tennessee to play on the big stage, and uh, he's proud of his former college for stepping up to the plate and, and coming to the SEC just like him. That's right. They saw him hit the portal, so they decided to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, let's jump it all down next to Baton Rouge, to where uh, we already heard from Coach O. You know, he gave us that idea for uh, week, week the first month of the season games there. But a uh, lot more going on down there in Baton Rouge because we've got guys banged up. We've already lost Miles Brennan. Derek Stingley's been banged up. Eli Ricks has been banged up. Now they got offensive linemen banged up. I mean, yeah. there's a lot to like about LSU, but at the same time, there's a lot to – Oh, I'm, I'm kind of scared. I picked them to win the West. You know what I mean? Like they are the ultimate boom or bust and nothing that happens in training camp aside from injuries is, is truly going to define how successful or, or not you are in the season. But um, I don't know. What's your thoughts on the Tigers as, as we're about two weeks out from the opener? You know, limping in, it, it, it kind of has that vibe to it, but I mean, show me a program that doesn't have injuries right now, Mike. I, I think, right. you know, the only reason we're talking about LSU is because we're expecting them to compete. You know, nobody's really talking about the injuries of Vanderbilt. Nobody's talking about the injuries of some of these other programs because they're they're not the top dogs right now. Mm-hmm. I guarantee if they were, they would be talking about it. So I'm, I'm not too worried, but it sounds like Coach O is going to ease up a little bit on practice. Yeah, so let's kick it over to him. Who He gives an update on Derek Stingley, one of the most important players. And I love these comments about Kayshawn Butte, just a sophomore. Sounds like he's uh, really stepping up his leadership. And while he does get on, uh, he talks about the injuries here, I really like his first answer when asked, what are you most concerned about there? I love that name. Hey, Ed, just to get some of the, uh, the housekeeping out of the way, uh, with any update on the status of Stingley or Davis Price, some of those banged up. Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, David, you know, uh, tired, t- tired. Uh, ran yesterday, man. Had some good plays. Came in yesterday, had some good plays, had some good runs. Uh, kind of tweaked it again today. It's something that we got to monitor out the whole year. Uh, Derek's doing fine. I think that uh, I don't. I think we're going to lay off of him next week. I think uh, the week after he should be fine. And uh, I think that he's going to be 100 percent there. We don't, we won't have to worry about re-aggravating it. What have you seen from Kayshawn Butte, and are there any veteran wide receivers who have kind of stood out so far this year? Yeah, I see leadership from Kayshawn. I see a, a, a very good connection with Max and Garrett. And I think that uh, him and John Trey and and Jarea are leading this this team. Not only the wide receivers, the team. You know, and I told the team the other day, it's very important. In order, in, order, in order for us to be a championship team, that our best players practice the best. And there's no question I can tell you Keishon is practicing the best. And he's being the leader right out there. Uh, he's into it. He comes talk to me a lot, about, a, a, lot, a lot of things. He's coaching the young guys. All those young guys are coming along. Uh, every one of them has their day. Uh, this, is, this is one of the best group of skilled freshmen that we've had here. And I think all of them are going to get a chance to prove themselves. What are you worried about right now? You got, you know, a good couple of weeks to figure it out still. Yeah. Yeah, pork chops, but then I'm worried about eating too many. <laughs> That's the only thing I worry about. No, but no, seriously, Mike, is, you know, we have, we have some injuries, especially on the offensive line. I got to keep them healthy. 
And, uh, you know, you, you have to push. You, you, have, you get at a point right now you have to push. And you have to be out in the elements, and we have to scrimmage. Uh, but we got to get our guys game ready also. And uh, it's a fine line. And, and you're at that point of cap where, you know, as a coach, you, you want to be hard and you want to push them, but you want to be smart and pull off at the right time. So I think it's a fine line. I do believe that tomorrow we're going to be only in helmets. Uh, today, you know, we hit two days in a row. I'm going to give them a break tomorrow. I'm going to give them a break Friday. I'm going to see how healthy we are on Saturday to see how the number of plays that we can go and uh, maybe limit the, the the type of scrimmages that may cause injuries to offensive line, like goal line, short yardage, you know, and limit those guys, maybe just have teach periods then and just adjust to the injuries that we have. All right, Shade, I think uh, we can relate here. Too many pork chops. That is a big concern <laughs> in my house. I don't know about you. <laughs> Definitely, man. <laughs> and speaking of that, oh, I, hey, I bet to ask you this on the top of the show if you missed it on uh, our socials there. We're sponsored now by HelloFresh. Did you get your HelloFresh yet, Shane? Yes, sir, man. We whipped up some tonight, actually. Ooh. Well, head on over to uh, HelloFresh.com slash Mike 14 to get yourself 14 free meals with uh, free shipping. So, yeah. Hey, proud sponsor there, and, and get you some pork chops while you're at it. You know what? Guys, 14 free meals. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I buttered Shane up to do this next one. Let's kick it on down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Well, my goodness, Shane, uh, you know, I hit on it in the last episode, but uh, apparently Alabama's receiving core, you know, they've been they, – they, the way this works now, and this is not just Alabama, this is across the SEC, but, uh, you know, these guys got GPS trackers and all this stuff, so they track all the players' speeds. And the uh, director of sports science down there, Matt Rea, he noted that uh, in 2019, Alabama had four receivers in their roster that would go on to become first-round picks. And he charted the speeds of those players in training camp in 2019 and he's charting the guys now, and they're 0.4 miles per hour faster right now <laughs> in Alabama. And, uh, I mean, if that does not keep you up at night, what will if you're a defensive coordinator? You know what? <laughs> Golly, man. Could you imagine wearing GPS? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my, my damn Apple Watch is telling me to stand up every now and then. <laughs> I'm glad it doesn't say how much my average speed is because I'd be, I'd be like 0.4 myself. <laughs> well, the reason I bring that up because uh, the, it sounds like the fastest guy in that core, Jamison Williams, the Ohio State transfer, is making an impact down there for the Crimson Tide. And then I hate to do it to you, buddy, but uh, Henry Toa Toa, he's already the signal caller. And uh, I think it just goes to show what a huge impact he could have for Alabama's defense this year. Yeah, I think we could have left that clip out, Mike. <laughs> Jeez, just when I was in a good mood. Yeah, just want to ask about Jamison Williams. How has he fit in with the offense so far, and what does he bring to the table? Yeah, he's done great. You know, he's a really good player. Um, he's got, you know, really good speed. Uh, you can tell he's an experienced player. He's played at a high level against good competition. And uh, he's very bright. So he's picked up on things, learned the offense very quickly. Um, so we're encouraged with what he's done, and uh, I'm sure he's going to make a really positive contribution to our team and, you know, be a featured guy in some ways. And Coach, a lot has been made about Henry Toto and his addition to the linebacker core, but what's uh, kind of the growth track been for his counterpart? 
Christian Harris, both as a leader and as a player at the linebacker position? Yeah, well, I think what Henry's done is let Christian play his more natural position, which is will and money. He can play Mike, and he's a very good Mike. Um, but Henry's a signal caller. He's been a signal caller. Having experience at doing that is very helpful. It's less of a burden on other players on the team. I think it you know, helps everybody uh, on the team when you have good communication, especially at the linebacker position. You know, it's a little bit like the quarterback on offense. So, and Henry has done a really, really good job of that. Uh, Christian is capable of doing that, and we have every confidence that if he needs to do it, he can do it. But I think the combination of those two guys, both being able to do it, is very, very helpful, especially when it comes to making adjustments and fit and runs and being in the right spot and coverage. So um, it's been a very, very positive thing for us. Oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, it's just – I guess it's just the state of college football, but – how wild is it that uh, you're bringing in a guy that uh, didn't even play with you last year and, and Coach Saban asked about him and he said, well, hell, he's our basically our uh, quarterback of the defense, but uh, I guess that's just the sign of the times in college football. You know what? Yeah, that's good. Good for them. Good for him. <laughs> Next. Next. <laughs> it's that name, image, likeness. What did they give you, Henry? Huh? Tell me. <laughs> How much it paying you down there? <laughs> <laughs> All right, next, let's skip it on down to Oxford, Shane. Man, Lane Kiffin got me fired up. His comments here on Matt Corral, his outstanding quarterback there. And, of course, uh, you know, he's mentioned it several times. And like I said on the last show with our, our buddy JB, anytime and every time I mention Matt Corral, I get bombarded with uh, Arkansas fans saying, well, hell, he just threw another interception. Matt Corral... If you take away the LSU game and the Arkansas game, which I, I know you can't do, but that's that's the goal they're trying to do is, is go into this season without those six turnover games. If not for those, I mean, he may be the best quarterback in the nation. And based on what uh, Lane Kiffin had to say here, it sounds like uh, Matt Corral is, is, you know, heading into the season uh, just on fire. Yeah, if you take – you take out that damn toaster strudel I had this morning and that little bite of cobbler, I ain't healthy today, Mike. <laughs> We're not talking about him a whole lot because he's just, we just kind of take him for granted and it's a given, but can you assess Matt Corral right now versus where he was last year at this time? Uh, I think a big difference. Um, you know, I don't want to, you know, rat poison him, but – uh, he's done a great job from a leadership standpoint, from an offensive standpoint, and the guy's accuracy is, you know, was was almost I think I said insane today. Um, some of the throws that were made, and you know, it was at one point like a video game where you know you just there's not inaccurate throws. He just throws it to the guy because you hit the button. So good to see. You know, I got to continue to develop and you know do it on game days. Lane, one of the uh, positions that looked unsettled heading into fall camp was the tight end position. Um, we're going to talk to Chase Rogers here in a minute. How does Chase check the boxes on what you're looking for at that position? Well, Chase uh, has missed part of camp and has been limited for part of it injury-wise, and so um, he seems to be back close to full strength now. Had a really good day. Um, today scored a touchdown in the red zone there. So, um, you know, he's done a really good job and 
you know, really does everything pretty well. Just a follow up to the tight end question. Uh, you know, none of these guys look like Kenny Yaboa exactly. So, you know, th does that alter the way that uh, maybe you, you look for production out of that position this season or things that you would do with that position? Well, I don't know. I think we got some very different guys. Um, Hudson Wolf now, um, you know, is the healthiest that he's been. You know, has done some good things the last couple of days and a very big target. So um, I don't know who's going to play there and probably who plays will base off what calls that we make. You know, I like to say on our offense that, you know, we don't have a system that, you know, the players have to fit into. You know, we find the best players and develop a system into them. All right, so hey, he's fired up about Matt Corral, and uh, I also wanted to play those comments about the tight ends as well. Just uh, you know, because with uh, Kenny Yaboa off, well, he he left early for the NFL, didn't get drafted, so obviously mm -hmm. made a poor choice there. But uh, what an interesting uh, situation here for the Rebels here, because they've got uh, Chase Rogers, who looks like he's going to start for tight end. He was a guy. I don't know if you remember that name, Shane, but he was committed to the Vols. And Butch Jones basically ran him off. Yeah. He had to go to – I can't even remember the school. I think it was like Louisiana Lafayette or something. And mm -hmm. now he's found his way back to Ole Miss and doing well. And then the backup is Hudson Wolf, who was committed to Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. So, uh -oh. oh, my God. It's like Ole Miss's uh, tight end core here is, you know, <laughs> could have been – both could have been Vols. Golly, Mike, what are you doing? Are you just like looking for nuggets to piss me off? You say, this is going to get, it's Friday, man. I'm supposed to be in a good mood. <laughs> Driving home from work for the weekend. And you just want to keep shitting on me. <laughs> I mean, come on now. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Okay. That's the last one, right? Yes, sir. Last one. Uh, let's skip it all day to Missouri. M-I-Z! It turns out old uh, Eli Drinkwitz is a big fan of Ted Lasso. <laughs> and I got to admit, Shay, when I see all these people on social media tweet it over and over and over and over on the same thing, yeah, I kind of get turned off by it. And I say, yeah. and I say man, I'm not going to watch this garbage. Well, I watched Ted Lasso. It's pretty good. So I, I just want to get that out of the way. But uh, Missouri really relying on these uh, Tulsa transfers they got coming yeah. in, both at corner, Ollie Green, a Caleb Evans. They've got the same position coach. And if not for these guys, Shane, they they would be starting. They got they would have one sophomore and two or three freshmen back there at cornerback. So that gives you an indication of just how valuable these two Tulsa Tulsa transfers are. And according to uh, Eli Drinkwitz, these guys are fitting in great. And then uh, he talks about uh, giving the walk on the scholarship, which we featured on the last show. And that's where he makes this uh, Ted Lasso comment. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole defensive back room has played much better and, and continued to improve. You know, we're asking them to do some stuff that's a lot different than what they've been doing here in the past. Um, I think the mic keeps going in and out. I'm working yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, that's been different in the past. And, and obviously zone coverage versus primarily being man team. And so, it, you know, sometimes that takes a while. There's a lot of different coverage concepts that we're playing, and, and I think all of them have done a really nice job of grasping that. Caleb specifically um, is doing a really good job. Um, Allie Green's done a great job the past two days of forcing turnovers, uh, really being a guy that, that strikes at the football and, and being aggressive. So I like both those guys, but I think, uh, you know, Ennis and Ish have had really good camps, and, and um, 
so it was DJ Jackson and, and Chris Abrams Dream had a turnover today, you know, had an interception today. So all these guys are competing, and I think bringing those guys in like raised the level of competition and gets the best out of everybody. Coach, I apologize if you've been asked about this. I was looking at the mic stuff. So, uh, Taylor obviously got on scholarship yesterday, so can I talk about that? What he did to earn that? Richard Taylor, yeah, he, he was awarded a scholarship yesterday. You know, Richard's a graduate already, uh, going into his master's degree, a guy who's always here, always working, gives everything he can to the football program, has two jobs, uh, and he earned it. You know, we didn't give it to him, he earned it. Uh, got the right kind of character and grit, embodies the four core values of our football team, and so, uh, something he earned and something we were happy to reward him with, and I know the team and him was excited. Did you come up with the way of how to announce it to him, or was it a team thing? No, nah, it was us. Well, yeah, it was. We have ju we, after day one when we weren't, you know, having the energy we had, so we passed out juice boxes to bring the juice, and then uh, if somebody has a great play, we give it a, a they get the juice, and so we just throw him a box that said he had scholarship juice, so. Kind of corny. Ted Lasso-ish, probably. Man, I, I'll tell you, Lasso's got some damn quotes, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> he does, and, it, so, and so does Eli. So, I mean, I, I, they're kind of like two peas in a pod. You know what? Oh, yeah. When it comes to locker rooms, I like them like my mother's bathing suits. I only want to see them in one piece. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised old Eli didn't drop that one on us. You know what? Oh, God. There's plenty of season left, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, brother, uh, that's all I got on this episode. Just wanted to finish strong with a solid show and I'm happy that we were able to touch on all 14 SEC teams. But uh, you got anything before we uh, head out of here? No, that's some good pod juice today, Mike. I'm telling you <laughs> what. <laughs> no, I tell, I tell you what, man. This has been a great – It's we're getting close, buddy. Uh, here in the next next week or so, we're going to start actually uh, game prepping. So uh, that's right around the corner. Yeah, without a doubt. And we're going to have uh, lots of guests lining up. I'm starting to understand how to do video editing. So uh, that's freeing up my time a little bit. I've reached out to a number of people. So get prepared for a lot of uh, guests coming up, a lot of season previews, a lot of big ideas coming for the podcast this season. I can't wait for it and uh, can't wait to share it with all the listeners. You know what? Yeah, for sure, man. I'm, I'm pumped. Well, all right, buddy. Uh, appreciate you hopping on the line. Appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. <laughs>